0: Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit www.therockonline.org. And now, a message from The Rock of Gainesville. Good morning, good morning. Oh, it's so good to see you all. You look absolutely amazing. Thank you for being here this morning. On my journey the last few weeks, Holy Spirit has really been drawing me to the place of intercession, and it's been mostly over family, and a lot of it families of our relatives and friends and some of you, and I've just been just crying out to God on behalf of families, so I don't think it's any accident that this morning, being Mother's Day, that I'm going to share some things with you that I felt like Holy Spirit brought to me that will help us to have strong families. And here's the deal. We call him Father God because he's Father, and he's all about family. And so there's nothing that the enemy wants to destroy more than your family. There's nothing that he would rather hurt you with than your family. So all hell comes against your family but all heaven is for you. Amen? So I feel like this morning I'm going to give you a few tools that I think will help you, and I will share with you some things that Holy Spirit shared with me. So I chose this graphic because I love the way that this woman is holding up the crown, and it represents her authority and her gifts and um, everything that she has. She has it, but she gives it back to God. And the glory of God comes through and comes down to give her favor and anointing to do what she's called to do. I just thought that represented that to me, and I hope it represents that to you. And so I'm going to read to you a legacy that we want to pass down. Anything that is passed down from the past is a legacy. And you know what? We get to choose what we pass down. We get to make that choice, what we pass down to our children and our grandchildren and to those that are spiritual children that God gives us the opportunity to influence. Amen? And we're all called, not just to our own children, but we're all called as the body of Christ and the family of God to minister to one another. So I want to read to you something that was so powerful to me. As I was in the place of intercession and I'm crying out to God and saying, God, what, what do we need to know and what do we need to be doing to ensure that we don't lose our children? And I'm going to tell you this. In the past few months, I've been calling back some of the children of this house that have walked away from God. I've been calling them out by name and standing in the gap for them and speaking to them and speaking to that word that has been implanted in their hearts and their soul that the enemy has come against and tried to uproot and take out and cause them to be angry at God or angry at us or angry at their families, whatever the case may be. I'm calling that thing down in the name of Jesus. And, I'm, and I speak to those strongholds that they are broken in the name of Jesus. And this is what I pray. I have been praying for days over some of our own family, mine and George's family, that they see Jesus for who he is. And I shared this before when we were, uh, I was leading prayer one day, is that, and Pastor George shared it too, that I want. I want them to see Jesus as their Savior so that one day He's not just their judge. And that's the cry of my heart that all the children of our house walk with God, know God. You know, here we've been teaching for months now, and that's why Growth Track is so important that you know God, that you find freedom that you know your purpose, and that you make a difference. And those are the things that we're preaching. And I believe if we will impress that upon our children and our grandchildren and our spiritual children. Something about that calls to you, does it not? There's something about that saying, I want to know God, and I want to know why I'm here, that calls to me. So I want to read to you a scripture, 1 Peter 2.9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a consecrated nation, a special people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies, the wonderful deeds and virtues and perfections of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So we've been called out of something and into something. And we don't want, listen, I don't want my children to just be good. I was a good girl. I was a church girl. I grew up in church and I was a good girl. I obeyed my parents, I obeyed my teachers, but one day at the age of 12, the lights came on. And Father God revealed to me that no matter how good I was, I needed a savior. That I couldn't get to heaven just by being a good girl. I needed a savior. And I needed Jesus to come into my heart and my life and make me new. So I don't care how good you are and I don't care how good your children are. They're not going to know the power of God unless they know that they need a Savior. Amen? Amen. Let that sink in for a minute. They're not going to know the power of God unless they know they need a Savior, that they cannot be good on their own, okay, because our righteousness is as filthy rags, the word says. From the time I was a small girl, I knew and felt that there was an anointing on me and on my family. I didn't understand what it was all about, but I knew there was an anointing on me and my family. I knew, and my mother would say to me, honey, it's okay that you don't have a ton of friends because you're set apart for God. It's okay that you're not the most popular girl in the school. You're set apart for God. You're special. It's okay that you don't run and do everything that everybody else did, and you don't seem to have as much fun as they had because the word says sin can be fun for a season, but then it leads to what? Death. She said, honey, it's okay. Because you're set apart for God. And that spoke something to me. And we need to speak to that in our children and our grandchildren that no matter what the enemy brings against them to try to lure them into the world, they are set apart and they are special for God. They are a holy priesthood. Let me tell you something about it. Okay, I feel like my family were called to ministry. But you know what I feel about your family? You're called to ministry. You all have an anointing, and you all have a gifting, and you all have a calling, and your family has a calling. So let me tell you something. They belong to you, and they belong to God, and you don't have to let the world have them. We don't have to let the world have our children. They're ours. They're set apart for the work of the ministry. They're anointed to do the work of the ministry. And so we can just say, you know what? We're set apart to call to be ministers of God. We're a holy people. We are God's instruments. I'm going to read, uh, read it in the message version. 1 Peter 2.9. And this is what I want you to remember. you're not, You're not saved just to raise your children and go to heaven, or to do your job and go to heaven. You're, ra- you're born again to proclaim his greatness, and there's nothing more that I want to proclaim it. No one I want to proclaim it to more than my children and my grandchildren and my spiritual children, that they are anointed of God. Okay, here it is. But you are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people. Can you imagine? God Almighty chose you. God Almighty has set you apart. Chosen to be God's holy people, God's instruments to do his work and to speak out for him, to tell others, I, this is my favorite part, of the night and day difference that he made for you. Woo! The night and day difference, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to you later about an, different kinds of faith, and this night and day difference is one of them. From nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. I love that. I love that. I love that God took me from nothing to something. I mean, I'm just an ordinary girl, really don't have any great talents, really don't. But God chose me, and he gave me whatever he gave me for his purposes and his plans. And you know what? I love The purposes of God. I love walking in the anointing of God with whatever he's given me and whatever he's put in your hand to do, you are anointed to do it. Amen? Okay, so I'm going to tell others about the night and day difference that he made for me. These are the things I hope to pass down. Number one, an enduring sincere faith. And I talked to the ladies about this a few months ago, that There's something, my mother had this enduring, sincere faith, and I loved that about her. It wasn't based on her emotions. It wasn't based on how she felt the day she got up, whether or not she was going to walk with God and talk with God. And listen to God, it was based upon her enduring faith. And I want to read a scripture to you, Second Timothy 1:5. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois. For me it would be my grandmother Irene, and your mother Eunice, and for me it would be Edna. And now I am sure it dwells in you. Don't you want somebody to say that about you and about your kids and your grandkids and for generations? I'm sure that enduring faith dwells in you. Well, let me tell you, we have to pass that on to our kids, that no matter the hardship, no matter the difficulties, no matter the trials, no matter the temptations, You must have that enduring faith, sweetheart. You've got to have it to overcome. And I love that. I am sure that it dwells in you as well. I read a book recently about Susie Spurgeon, and I love reading books about those who have gone on before me, and they have overcome great difficulties to walk with God. And I love this about this precious, precious woman because as I'm reading her story, I'm thinking, oh, Lord, you have been easy on me. You have been so easy on me. She lived a very difficult life. She and Charles Spurgeon, who was considered one of the greatest preachers of all times, they got married young. They were so in love. And then God began to use him in the ministry, and he traveled a lot. And there were many times that she was lonely. And then she ended up getting pregnant with twin boys. And she had these twin boys. And then something happened. They think, you know, back then, this was the 1800s, they think something happened when she was giving birth, and from that time on, she always had a lot of pain. But what I love about her, that even at times when she would be in her bed and she couldn't get up and she couldn't travel with her husband anymore, that she would have her two boys sitting beside her and she would be teaching them the word, even in her pain. I'm sorry, but that speaks to me. And then she decided that she loved people who were in the ministry. And there would be these little churches out on the countryside, and the pastors would feel so alone and isolated. So she would gather up. She would take some of her own money and gather up books, and she would print out her husband's messages and send them out to the countryside pastors. And at times, she would make little love gifts for them, send them food and clothing just to bless them. And she did that from her bed. She would, she would round up people and say, would you help me with this ministry? Would you, would you deliver this to this pastor? And at times, she would even write letters to their congregations and say, you better be taking good care of your pastor. He's he's laying down his life for you. He's interceding for you. He's praying for you. You better be good to him. So she had such a heart to find a way to give in the middle of her pain. She saw others' pain. In the middle of her pain, she reached out to them. This is something we've got to pass on to our children Yes, life is not always going to be easy. Yes, you're going to be faced with trials and temptations. But let me tell you something. This is what I love. I read this a while back. You can choose to give up or you can choose to say, you know what? Jesus is better. I choose Jesus because he's better than any trial that would come against me. He's better than any temptation that would come against me. He's better than any heartache that will come against me. I choose him. I choose Jesus. He's faithful. He's good, and he's there for me. Okay, I want to read you this. James 1, verse 12. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Blessed. You want our children to be blessed? We have to tell them, sweetheart, you need to endure. You need to say, stay steadfast under trial. You know, there were times when I would go to my mom and I would say, Mom, I wanna, I've been invited to do this or do that. And she'd say, mm, okay, um, well, you know what, honey? Go in your room and pray about that and ask Jesus what he thinks. Oh, Of course, I would go ask Jesus, and I can remember this as a young girl saying, Jesus, I love you more. Now, I don't know where that all came from. All I know is that at the age of 12, when I realized I needed a Savior, something really happened in me. Something really changed in me. And and that's what we want to see, we need to see in our children, that this Savior thing, it's not just smooth something over. No, it's a life change. And Jesus came to make that change in us. So God has promised to us the crown of life if we will endure. And this is the other thing. As I watched families fall apart, I said, Lord, can you show me some things that, that they need to see in us As parents and grandparents, as spiritual parents, as aunts and uncles, who however we're as teachers, as we're leading them, and one of the things that I felt like Jesus showed me was that we need to live as the authority in our children's lives. We need to live out a transforming faith. That means that the gospel is not preached just so we can say, I'm sorry I sinned, and now I just want to go to heaven. No, it's a transforming faith. They need to see that when we say we love God, we love God. When, when we say, oh, honey, you got to put God first, we're putting God first. I'm sorry, you can, you can try to teach them all you want what to do, but there's something that is caught before it is taught, and that is that Jesus is first. Jesus is better. His way of doing things is always better. It's for your protection. It's for your good that he sets those boundaries for you. That transforming faith. Let me tell you, I know that I have not been the perfect parent. I know that I've not been the perfect grandparent. I know I've not been the perfect spiritual mom, but my heart has always been, and I hope my children see that, my heart has always been, Lord, I want to glorify you. And if it takes you pruning me, and if it takes me being convicted of whatever needs to be stripped off so that you can be glorified, then, Father, I submit myself under your mighty hand. And that's what our kids need to see. They need to see that transforming faith. They don't need to see you saying, well, you're going to church whether you want to or not. And by golly, that preacher better say something I like today. And no, oh, please, I've seen it. I've seen it happen. And then they come and they go, you know what? The church hasn't been good to my kids. No, we're not called to lead your kids in that way. You are. You are called. You are the anointed one over your family. You are the one that's called to teach them and to teach them how to have the right attitude before God and to submit their will to him. I'm sorry, but he is God and we are not. He's God. And we need to bring our kids to the house of God in faith, and in obedience ourselves, saying, Lord, I'm doing this because I'm submitting to you, and I want them to see that I submit to you. Lord, I'm paying my tithes and my offerings because I want to obey you because I want to walk out the God-first life. Lord, I'm going to get into a connect group because I want to show my kids that they need to be connected in the body of Christ. They need friends that love God and are going to uh, walk with them arm in arm and hand in hand. I'm going I'm to read your word and study your word because I, wanna, I want my kids to see that. They need to see the transforming faith. If the gospel doesn't change you, it's not in you. The gospel is supposed to transform our lives from the inside coming out. It's not just so you can get saved and go to heaven. It is the power of God unto salvation. This is what I say. Jesus keeps saving me. That doesn't mean that that I come in and I repent over and over again to get saved, to go to heaven. It means that he keeps speaking to me speaking to my heart, speaking to my life through his word and through the connections that I have in the body of Christ and, and, and through prayer. God is speaking to me and he's refining me and he's taking me from glory to glory and that's the life of transformation. The gospel transforms us. I want you to quit saying it's just who I am. I can't help it. That's a lie. It's not just who you are, and you can help it. You can help it. The Bible says submit yourself under the mighty hand of God. The Bible says put your trust in the Lord your God. There's something that you can do to help your life be transformed by the power of God. The gospel keeps saving you. James 1 verse 21 So throw all spoiled virtue and cancerous evil in the garbage. In simple humility, let our gardener God, I love this so much. I love to garden, so I love this. Let God landscape you with the word, making a salvation garden of your life. And your family is like a garden. And God is the gardener of your soul. And he wants to come in, and he wants to transform you, and he wants it to be evident to those around you. Please, please get this. The gospel is the power of God. It is the power of God. It is not just a ritual that you go to church and you you read the word, but you don't allow Holy Spirit to really let it germinate in your heart, in your life. It transforms. you and that's what our kids need to see and Holy Spirit showed me that some families that are just falling apart just it broke my heart about a week ago I was with a family and and the mom shared what her children were going through and it was utter destruction I went home and I took my phone and I played that song this is how we fight our battle I played it for 40 minutes. I went for a prayer walk and cried out to God on behalf of that family. And I looked at that mom, and I looked at her, and I said, look at me. I said, I'm believing for a miracle for you. But Holy Spirit began to show me some of those miracles come by faith and by that transformational life. When they see the transformation that takes place in us, it changes them. It begins to soften their hearts to the gospel of Jesus Christ and they won't become hard and bitter. Okay, so the next thing that I want to talk about is faith that honors because I believe that honor is the foundation for all healthy relationships. It's got to be passed down. So I'm back a while back, there were a group of ladies who were, called themselves the queens. And um, at one of our ladies' getaways, they crowned me queen, an honorary queen. That's Vicki Candelaria right there crowning me. This was in 1997. I said to Vicki, I said, oh, we were so young and so skinny. <laughs> and and I, you know what? I said, I saw that picture, and it made me smile. But something came to me, because I thought, these women, they were all queens, and they were all dressed up so cute. And in in just a small way, they said, Pastor Suzanne, can we honor you by crowning you queen also? And I just thought, that just really is a precious moment to me, and it was a lot of fun. But let me tell you something. Honor is the foundation for all healthy relationships. It It is the foundation for our relationship with God. The Bible tells us to honor God, honor God with our money, honor God with our time, honor God with our talent, honor God with our energy, honor God with our words. We are to honor him first. And then we are to teach our children to honor also and to honor authority. And, you know, I've heard it said the last few weeks, oh, You know, life is so different now. Parents just don't parent the way they used to. Well, I don't know exactly what that means, but I do know this. God's word has not changed. God's word has not changed. And it breaks my heart when I hear an eight-year-old sass their mom and their dad. You know why it breaks my heart? Because it's so unscriptural. You're allowing them to live an unscriptural, unbiblical life. And listen, I know somebody, well, I want them to feel like they love me and feel like they honor me. Oh, come on, no, no. You have to teach them honor. Honor is not necessarily something that just comes naturally. It has to be taught. And it has to be required because it will lead to the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Uh, no. Telling our kids it's okay for you to talk back to me and tell me what you will and will not do. Uh, okay, it blows me away. I, I realize that times have changed. But I don't know. There's, I just don't think I can go to God and say... You're my authority, but this is what I'm going to do, whether you like it or not. I can do that, but I'm going to suffer some consequences. Amen? Amen? And if your child is disrespectful to you and dishonoring, you are doing them an injustice by not allowing them to suffer some consequences. Because the way they see you, you're the authority in their life. You're the first God they really see. My mom was so gentle and loving, but she would not tolerate disrespect. I remember one time I said something to her. She was trying to help me with my hair, and I didn't like what she was doing. And I said something, and she took that brush, and she whacked me with it. And I was like, ooh, I'm not saying that again. She was so sweet, so patient, so loving, but she was not going to allow disrespect. And you know what? I'm so glad because it taught me that authority is important and authority is powerful. And God has placed authority in my life. And I might might disagree with it, but I will honor that. So I hope to pass down a culture of honor for I believe it to be the foundation for all healthy relationships. There's something that we say here. We say we honor up God first and authority over us. We honor down to those who are down and out, to our children and our spiritual children, and we honor all around. In fact, this is what I've decided. Every opportunity I have to honor, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I just feel like it brings back an honors reward into my own life. I said this first service and I'm gonna say it again. I honor my husband. Because this man honored our spiritual dad all the days that he was under him as a spiritual father. He honored him with his words, he honored him with his money, he honored him with gifts. He would drive over to Panama City just to sit and love on our pastor and our apostle. And to this day, I believe that has brought great blessing in our lives. And then when his dad when his dad was in the nursing home, he would go constantly and see his dad. And yet, his own dad was really never there for him. His own dad was really never there for him. And yet he said, I will honor my father. The word tells us honor your mother and your father. And it's not because they're the perfect parent. It's not because they're the perfect parent. None of us can be a perfect parent. But it's because of the place of authority and the place, the position that God has placed them in our lives. We choose to honor Because that's what God has commanded us to do. And there's a reward in that. And then I threw in another one that says, faith that forgives. If there's anything that I've seen destroy families, it's unforgiveness. In fact, I was sharing with with George um, earlier a few weeks ago, and I said, Honey, I feel like Holy Spirit has revealed to me that that some of our precious family that has not lived for God or walked away from God or whatever, that there's a root of bitterness. They've been hurt, and they haven't been able to forgive. And so I've been praying, God, show your mercy to them. Show them, Jesus, how much you love them. And here, this is what it says. Matthew six fourteen says, You forgive others so that your heavenly Father will forgive you. Folks, we don't have a choice. And God told us we had to forgive because he knew that's the only thing that would set us free. We want to go around it. We want to try to push it in the background. But it's the only thing that will really set us free is choosing to forgive. Hebrews 12:15 says, See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up, and causes trouble. And by it, many become defiled. Let me tell you, when you allow yourself to be bitter, it only, it only produces trouble. And I don't know about you, but I like peace. And I like the comfort that only the Spirit of God can give. So that means that sometimes daily, I choose to forgive. It's not because... They might deserve my forgiveness, but I've been commanded to forgive. Because if I don't forgive, the Bible says that it springs up and it flows onto all my other relationships. So, folks, let's teach our kids. Forgive. Be quick to forgive. Just do it just do it. You have the grace. You have the strength because God has provided. He's not going to ask you to do something you absolutely cannot do. You can. And when some, someone said to me recently, well, I'm just, I'm just not. I'm just not. I just can't. No, there's no way I can forgive my dad. I said, oh, yes, you can. You can. Your life depends on it. If you want to stay bound up in anger, and hatred Then okay Hang on to that unforgiveness But if you want to be free And you want your family to survive And thrive You better let it go You better forgive So honor God Honor up Honor down And honor all around Genesis 17.9 um, says God continued to Abraham I love this You will honor my covenant, you and your descendants, generation after generation. This is the covenant that you are to honor. I love this. The covenant that pulls in all your descendants. I'm going to walk in covenant with God, not just because I need it for me, but I want all of my descendants to walk with God. I want them all pulled in to this covenant. So I will honor God's covenant. If we want our children, if we want our children, we're going to honor God's covenant. And then the last one that I'm going to do is, call, I, is faith for the battle. And I went back and I read the story of Deborah, who was a judge, a very wise woman. She obviously worked it says she's married. It didn't say anything about children yet, but, but she was a wise woman. And God spoke to her and said, it's time. And I love what Jedediah said last time he was with us. When God said, it's time, it's time. Israel was in disarray. People were literally hiding in their homes. They weren't even wanting to come out in the streets out of fear and, and despair and discouragement. And God spoke to Deborah and said, You go talk to Mr. Barak and you tell him it's time. And she went out and she got him and she said, It's time for Israel to be free. And for some of you today, I want to read this scripture, Judges 5 7, says, There were few people left in the villages of Israel. And I just love this so much. I don't know why I didn't see this before until Deborah arose as a mother for Israel. God is calling you to rise up. You're going to have to pray. You're going to have to intercede. And let me tell you, I shed a lot of tears over a couple of families in the last few, a lot of tears. And I was like, oh, Lord, why do I feel like I'm carrying this heavy load? I know that only you can save them, only you, God. And I felt like the Lord spoke to me, and he said, Suzanne, those who sow in tears will reap in joy. You get out into that battle. You do warfare for your family and for the families that you love. You go into that battle, and you don't give up. You don't give up. And what I love is later on it says in in verse 31, then there was peace in the land for 40 years. Listen, folks, we need to defend what is under attack and we need to restore what's been desolated. I have been calling in for months, maybe a year now, different ones, young people that were a part of this house and have totally walked away from God. I'm not saying they just went to a different church. I'm talking about walked away from God in my heart. God has put them on my heart one at a time to call them back. To call them back and I said, Lord, let them see you. Take out that root of bitterness. Show them Jesus. Show them forgiveness. Whatever they're bitter about, Father, I ask you, don't, Holy Spirit, don't stop reaching out to them. Keep reaching out. And I pray that over every family of this house that you've lost children to the world. Let's call them back. Let's rise up. Let's be like Deborah. Let's hear the voice of God. Let's go into the battle. Go into the place of prayer. Crying out and interceding for those that need to come back to walking with God again. The prayer, James 5, 17. The prayer of of a person living right with God is something powerful. There's that transformational faith. We're living right with you, Lord. So our prayers are powerful. I'm letting you refine me. I'm letting you uh, clean me up. I'm letting you draw me into that that holy people, that set-apart place. Lord, so that my prayers can be powerful so that they, our prayers make a difference. God. The, the, per, the prayer of a person living right with God is something powerful to be reckoned with. Elijah, for instance, human, just like us, prayed hard that it wouldn't rain, and it didn't. Not a drop for three and a half years. And then he prayed that it would rain, and it did. There's power in your prayer. The showers came, and this is my favorite part, and everything started growing again. Wherever you think the enemy has brought death in your life, or death in your family, or destruction in your family, you pray, you pray, and you cry out to God on behalf of that. And listen, the showers will come. The showers will come, and everything will start growing again. Thank you. Thank you. I love you guys. I'm praying that you are equipped now to go out and do the work of the ministry. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from The Rock of Gainesville. For more information about our church, visit www.therockonline.org.